Welcome to Sip and Spin with Luke and Andy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sip and Spin. This is our, uh, I guess, our fifth episode. Um, Again, this is Andy and Luke, and uh, we're excited to warm your heart with some drinks and soothe your soul with some music. <laughs> uh, warm the cockles of your heart. <laughs> warm your belly. So I, warm your belly. Uh, so I'm Andy, and with me I have, uh, again, my best friend Luke. How's it going? How you doing? Good to be back. Not bad. It is good to be back. This is uh, this is the third time we've recorded together, um, and this will end up being, because our, our other two episodes were quite long, yes. this will end up probably being our fifth episode. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to dive into what we have today. Yeah, um, it's going to be a little bit different, you know. As yeah, as last week was a little bit different than the first, you know, the first couple podcasts. Uh, yeah. Once again, get to kind of change things up a little bit. So yeah, we've got some ideas on the format moving forward. So um, we'll probably switch it up. You know, every week we'll do something a little bit different, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what'll keep it entertaining. You know, we'll talk about some new artists. We'll talk about some old artists. We'll talk about, you know, some other, you know, some, some soundtracks from movies and, 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 uh, TV shows that we like, and, right. uh, really just kind of cover all the bases, the yeah. things that we enjoy. And then, so if you don't like the things that we like, you can shove off. <laughs> <laughs> So in the in the interest of uh, of the sip part of the yes. sip and spin, let's uh, let's 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 hear what you've got for us today as far as a drink, Luke. Yeah. So you know this week, you know, in the spirit of doing something a little bit different, um, you know, the first week we kind of did a little riff on an old fashioned, which is you know one of the most classic cocktails that there is, one of the simplest cocktails that there is. Um, and then last week I did uh, an original cocktail of mine. <clears throat> Which was a riff on a, a, a Boulevardier, um, but those were both kind of like riffs, little changes, things like that. Uh, and so I wanted to do like a really genuine classic cocktail. Uh, <laughs> you hit that, you hit that classic hard. So this yeah. must be a good one. Um, and, and yeah, it's actually. It, so th- this week we're going to do uh, a Sazerac. And, Sazerac uh, it just sounds good, doesn't it? Roll it does. right up the tongue, Sazerac. Sazerac. Um, but uh, yeah, Sazerac is um, is you got to say it like you're an old jazz singer from New Orleans. Sazerac, jazz it up with Zazerac, Zazerac. <laughs> um, um, but no, uh, yeah. So you know, Sazerac is widely considered one of the first uh, uh, like American cocktails. Um, but the the history behind its origins are a little. Um, Un, they're, they're a little unsure. A little, there's a little uncertainty there. They don't have the exact um, details, um, but they have you know some guesses as to how how it came about. And uh, obviously, you know, Sazerac is like the the cocktail of Louisiana, um, mm-hmm. in, in particular New Orleans. And um, <clears throat> they place the origins to you know around you know anywhere between 1850s and. 1880s, somewhere, somewhere between the mid to late 1800s. Um, and, you know, the story goes that it was first served um, at a New Orleans bar called the Sazerac Coffee House. And interestingly, like it, back then at that time, uh, like more formal 
kind of uh, nicer, classier bars were called coffee houses. It's just like, <laughs> of course, like, you know, make it seem a little like more, I don't know, um, legit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so that, you know, it was first served there and, um, and it got its name from a, a brand of cognac that they imported that was a, a very popular cognac uh, called uh, Sazerac de Forgefis. And um, I'm sure you didn't butcher that at all. No, actually, I, I, practiced, <laughs> I practiced this other time. Nice. I, I made nice. sure I pronounced that right. And I'm pretty sure Perfect. I got it. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's kind of where uh, Sazerac comes from. And that's where, and because they served it at this this particular bar, that's why they they changed the name of the place to the Sazerac Coffee House, which later just became, um, I think, the Sazerac House. Um, and um, yeah, and the old the, the old, old Sazerac, Sazerac place, place. <laughs> <laughs> old Sazzy's place. Um, but uh, but yeah, another another portion of the the genesis of the of the cocktail uh, comes from um, like this local um, like apothecary that this guy named uh, Antoine Bichaud, uh created these, these bitters there. And mm. he would often, <laughs> he would often add these bitters to, to cognac, cognac very, being very popular because at the time, you know, it's a very heavily French influenced city. Um, and so, you know, that, that's another area. That's another kind of uh, possible origin for the cocktails that, mm this guy, this apothecary kind of added these bitters that he had created himself that are now like one of the most classic bitters. Almost anybody has these on their shelf, you know, I've got some in mine. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a huge bar. So yeah. that's saying something very bright red, um, a neat kind of heavily anise flavored, uh, bitter. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so uh, that's that's another part of the origin there, but um, you know, it, the, interestingly, uh, while the namesake comes from cognac, the the brand of cognac that they used at the bar, um, <clears throat> it was later switched to uh, rye whiskey, and the reason that happened was that there was a, um, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, a phylloxera uh, <laughs> epidemic. This is a basically just a type of insect. Um, and that oh are, are known for uh, wreaking havoc on uh, uh, vineyards. And so there was a phylloxera, phylloxera epidemic in Europe at the time and uh, just plagued uh, French vineyards. And, and so there was, a, there was a shortage of cognac. And that's oh God. a big reason. Thank God, we didn't live to, <laughs> thank God we didn't live during the cognac shortage. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so it ended up being switched to rye. And, and nowadays it's almost anybody that has a Sazerac on the menu is going to actually utilize rye over cognac. Um, well, and, and there's actually a brand of rye called Sazerac, right? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where the, uh, that's where the original name came from. From the, from that rye. From the, from oh, the house. Oh yes. No. I, yeah. There, well, so the original, the name came from the, the drink brand of cognac that was okay. served at this coffee house. But yes, there is now a Sazerac rye uh, right. that you can get. Um, but but yeah, that's that's a little bit of the story there. Um, 
Making me thirsty. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I'm drinking one right now. It's delicious. It's good. It's good. Um, I found a lot of different, (laughs) a lot of different recipes for this um, because, yeah, I just couldn't. I tried to find the most classic recipe, um, and a lot of what I was seeing was like an ounce and a half of rye, uh, and then a sugar cube, which you then you know dash with uh, Peshaw's bitters and you muddle Mm -hmm. it, and then you add the rye and the the key thing here, uh, I mean, cause you've, if you looked at that just as it was rye, sugar and, and bitters, you, that's basically an old, that's just an old fashioned. Um, <laughs> right. The, the key difference in between a Sazerac and an old fashioned, it, there's two things. Uh, the, the one thing is that uh, the glass it, that you serve it in is rinsed with absinthe beforehand. Oh boy. Yeah. You're going to be tripping balls while we're doing this. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the, that's the main difference there that the, the absinthe rinse, but also uh, a Sazerac is served neat. So you, you stir it with ice until it's chilled and then you strain it into the absinthe rinsed glass, but there's no mm. ice in it. So that's the key difference. An old fashioned, you always have uh, over a big cube or, or several large cubes. Right. Um, so yeah, that, but that's so the main. That's the kind of most basic recipe: is ounce and a half rye, sugar cube, muddled with Peshad's bitters, absinthe rinse, and then you do it a lemon, you express the lemon oils from a from a peel, or yeah, and then you uh, and you don't. The one thing I I was reading that you don't add the lemon peel to the drink. You just express mm. the oils over the top of the drink and discard it. Um, the one I'm drinking right now that I just made is. Um, a version, a variation of it. It's still very much the same cocktail, but just slight tweaks to it. Uh, made by, um, it's in the uh, really great cocktail book called Cocktail Codex. It's from a, a bar called Death and Company, and they're very. Yeah, I think you told me about this. Yeah, really, really great, uh, really great book. I, I really need. So they have a I believe they have bars in L.A., Denver, and New York. And, um, I would love to go to any one of those locations cause their stuff is awesome. The book is great, really educational. I've learned a lot from it. Um, so their version that I'm drinking right now is, uh, an ounce and a half of rye. And then they, they plug in a half ounce of cognac to get a little bit of like, mm. pull in a little bit of the, where the origins, you know, of the drink came from. And, uh, and then you've got, uh, just a teaspoon of syrup. And uh, four dashes of Peshads, a dash of Angostura, which is another classic bitter. And then you got your absinthe rinse and the, the lemon peel expression. But yeah, that's it. Great drink. Very spirit forward, um, but still balanced enough. Tons of flavor. Um, yeah, great drink. Sounds, sounds delicious. Yeah. What are you drinking right now? I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I almost made an old fashioned, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, but I, I remembered I had a bottle of red wine open, so I'm drinking that. There you go. Um, but I, man, I wish I've looked at absinthe, uh, on the shelf so many times at the liquor store and thought about picking up a bottle. And then it always ends up that most of the drinks that I would use it for are what you just said, <laughs> you know, absinthe, absinthe rinth, right. rinse, small amount. And I'm like, I can't justify <laughs> buying it just for that. But, um, yeah, but you I, I, you can get a decent, decently priced bottle. Um, yeah. And you can get smaller bottles too. You don't have to get a big sure. old bottle. Sure. Um, that's what I do. 
And um, I mean, like right now, the one I've got is Lucid, I believe, mm. um, which I think that's French. That's a French absinthe. But before that, I had been using one by um, St. George, I believe, St. George Distillery out of California. Um, and that's really good, too. And you can get a small bottle of that for, I think, like 20 bucks. So, wow. And it lasts you a long that's time. That's not bad. You know. Um, so, yeah. I have the I have the disadvantage of being at near smaller less stocked liquor stores than true. you do. So that's, true. that's the only thing, but yeah. I'll have to look next time I'm there. I have been thinking about stocking the bar again, um, a little bit more Do soon. It. So that, that might be something that's on there. I was going to say too, when you said about expressing the lemon peel, that's something that, um, that's something I'd never really done all that much. Like, you know, I, I made a lot of old fashions and a lot of, uh, a lot of drinks that required, you know, like a, a lemon peel or an orange peel. Right. Um, but I'd never, you know, I just kind of peeled it and tossed it in there and, oh. and that was it or, or, or muddled yeah. the, you know, muddled with it or whatever. Um, oh, but I think oh. the first time I'd ever had it expressed was at your place and you, you did it and you put it around the rim of the glass and I was like, holy crap, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this is like, this is, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And, uh, it really and so I've, I've done that ever since. Yeah. It's just a really easy way to, um, just, I don't know, it, 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 particularly with lemon, just really brightens the drink up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got a really heavy kind of spirit forward drink, um, it's just a great way of, of, of just kind of brightening it up a little bit and, and adding those nice citrus flavors that pair well with the, the base spirits and stuff. So I like it, but yeah, so that's our portion of, that's our, that's our sip portion of sip. <laughs> um, that's but, it for the sips. Yeah. Onto the spins. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, my so, album. Oh. I was going to say, did we talk about what we're, what we're doing today? We did last episode, but I don't know if we've covered what exactly we're talking, talking about today. I believe at the end of last, the last week's episode, I did mention I kind of knew what album right. I wanted, that I wanted to do. Because, you know, we, want, we decided we're going to pick an album that has mm-hmm. really uh, had an impact on us that, but that has only been just released in the last, within the last five years. Right. Um, and so mine was uh, an album called light upon the lake by a band called Whitney, uh, Chicago Whitney. band. Pretty, pretty new to the scene. 2015, I believe. I mean, you're, you're so hip. <laughs> new to the scene. Um, but yeah, that in this album came out, it's coming up on its five year anniversary. So I wow. just barely made it on this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this came out in June of 2016. Um, yep. And uh, so that was my pick. I don't believe you had decided on what you wanted to do yet. I had not. So I, I didn't mention my pick, right. um, but I, I came up with, I think I said I would, I would, I can't remember if I said this on air or off air, but I, I said I would send you my pick and, and let you take right, a look right. look at it. And uh, I decided maybe a day or two later what I was going to go with. And so uh, I actually chose an album that was just released last year, which is, you know, over. The, it was actually released in August. So it's only four, about four months ago. So mine mine's brand new to five years and, and Al, uh, Luke's is calling them my kids names. Luke's is, uh, you know, almost at the end of five years. So, uh, so the album I chose was, um, was, and I, and I'm going to probably botch it, but, it, uh, Aleph by private world, um, A L E P H 
I, I'm assuming that's what it is. I don't know. They're from they're from the UK, so I mean, they could it, it, they could say it any thousand different ways. Um, but that that'll be the one that we talk about uh, that I I'm bringing to the table here tonight. Um, and so I think we're going to start with Whitney, huh? Sure. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because you you so Luke and I pretty much talk through text. We don't we haven't we seen don't talk in over a year with Jesus with quarantine and you know yeah. COVID. All that nonsense. We quarantined and then I caught the COVID and now I don't have the COVID and we're still quarantining and yeah, it's been a mess, but we haven't seen each other for a long time. So this is the only, oh, doing this podcast is the only time we hear each other's voice <laughs> um, is what I'm trying to get at. And, uh, and, and so he texts, he, he, <laughs> he texts me about Whitney sometimes. And, you know. and I swear to God, well, I have, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I swear to God, every time I read Whitney, I'm reading every, the first time I see it, I always read it as Whitey. Whitey. <laughs> oh my God. And, and I know that's not it, but. No wonder you've been so like against listening to it. It's a terrible man that he keeps suggesting called Whitey. <laughs> Uh, it is not Whitey. Whitey. <laughs> it's not Whitey. It's Whitney. Yes. And it's a great name. I mean, honestly, it's a, Whitney is a great name for a band. It really is. I love it. Except for the fact, it's it's like, it reminds me of another band called Jaws. I've never, I don't know if you've heard that, but it's like one of those mm-hmm. band names. It's like anytime you, you get a type in Whitney, like f- when I first started hearing about them, I would always type in Whitney and it was, you'd always get Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. You know? Right. Right. There's another band called Jaws. It's like, well, it's Jaws. It's a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, it would, always, uh, it would be really hard to like find information and things like that. But, um, well, the, the thing that always cracks me up is you always say, whenever you talk about them to me, you always say that Whitney band. Because if you just say Whitney, you know, I'm going to be like, who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Whitney. Uh, I was listening to Whitney the other day. Who is Whitney? <laughs> Why are you constantly listening to him or, or her? I should say or her. So let's talk about let's talk about uh, Light Upon the Lake. This I got is a, a good album. Got a mouthful of Sazerac here. Um, <laughs> um, no, yeah. Um, so did you really ever listen to this album all the way through before this week here? Um, Be honest. So when 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 did you see them live? It had to have been what twenty seventeen. Still, no, uh, actually, I mean, that's how I found out about them. Um, right. So found, a lot of our conversation is going to revolve around the fact that you saw them live and that's where you learned about them. I saw them live. Um, they were opening for another favorite band of mine, a band that I mentioned in our first episode, I believe, uh, Wild Nothing. Yes. So they opened that's for right. Wild Nothing. Uh, at Wow, what a great, that, yeah. that yeah. that's a great set. Yeah. And um that was in that was at Thalia Hall, one of my favorite Chicago venues. Great venue, yeah, fantastic place. Um, I hope they make it through this whole COVID thing and are able to you know stay open and everything because um, yeah, great great venue. Um, yeah, but yeah, so I saw so I saw them there and they opened for a while, nothing. And when I you know bought the tickets a buddy of mine that I used to work with, he was, he was being in a wild nothing. That's, that's why we, we ended up getting tickets to that show. And so then we saw Whitney, who's this? And they hadn't all, <laughs> at that point, all they'd 
released as maybe a couple singles or something. Yeah. Uh, and so I listened to the couple singles. I was like, oh, I kind of I like it. And listened more and more as the months, because I think I bought the tickets in like January, February, and the concert wasn't until May. So like several months. And I, that, that even just those two singles kind of had an effect on me. And, and so when we got to the show, uh, we went to the merch table and, um, and this guy came up and I don't know, I think he was wearing like overalls and I don't know what else. <laughs> had no idea who this guy was. And, um, he was fully nude <laughs> and, and, and they had, um, so they had the, they had Whitney's, they had the album there, but it had not been released yet. So they had the album to purchase before it actually was released. That's great. Um, because it was, like I said, it was like the end of May and the album officially came out in June. <clears throat> and so, I don't know. I just like, I love the two singles that I had heard. I think it was no woman and maybe no matter where you go, no, no matter where we go. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things you're at a show and you're just like, eh, it's just kind of like an impulse buy. Yeah. And it was a colored vinyl. It was like blue colored vinyl, cool looking. And, and I think, you know, it's like a lot of times they're cheap at shows like that. And so probably pay right. 20 bucks for it. And I was going to say 20 bucks for a vinyl, you know, sometimes they're even like 15, you yeah, know, yeah, at, yeah. at a show like that. And it's like, it's ridiculous. And so I was just like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to get this, you know, like I had a good feeling about the band. And so I bought, I bought the record only having heard two songs and not having yet seen them live. <laughs> so I like went back to my seat with the album uh, and they opened and played and they were awesome. And I loved them. And I just, and, and then I found out later, well, I found out as I was watching the show that the guy, the guy that sold me the vinyl was the guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> Max Kakasek, I think is, is his name. Um, and hell of a guitar player. And, uh, so that was kind of cool, cool little story of like, and, and then the, the thing about that album and the, how, why that album has become, uh, has made such an impact on me is, you know, just because it was such an impulse buy yeah, and, and the story behind that and everything. But then I listened, I remember the next, I was after listening to them live, uh, the next day I was like really excited to put on the vinyl and, and listen to the whole album. And I loved it. And right after that, me, like right after that, like a week later or something, me and my wife uh, took a trip out to the Pacific Northwest and uh, went from Portland all the way up along the coast um, to, you know, Mount Rainier and then to Seattle. And the whole time we were listening to this album, like just, it was on repeat. And it was just like, man, being in the Pacific Northwest, driving around like that, great vacation, and listening to that album like on repeat and not getting sick of it. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, I love I love how how trips like that and uh, can, can in times of your life can really cement an an album or an artist like into your into your to your consciousness. Like right. that's absolutely absolutely uh, you know just a an amazing thing that music does that we don't think about. Yeah, nearly enough. Yeah, I mean just like. You know, the music can just really pull you back to, to times and places and feelings, and um, and I mean that's the that's the real power I think of of music. Um, yeah. And even like my wife, who like you know she, you know she's not as into music as I am. She she does she does not like music. <laughs> but no, she 
I, and I don't, and I still really, honestly, I still don't even really know how much she really likes like this particular album, but I think it was, it's so tied to that trip too, that yeah. she liked, you know what I mean? She liked, yeah. I think mm-hmm. she likes it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my story of that. But um, nice. I mean, I love this album. I think it's, I think it's just great uh, from, from start to finish. Um, there's a, just a, a charm to it. Um, I think the one thing to me that like the big takeaway to me is like, it's just so it feels and sounds so effortless. Um, yeah. It never feels like it's never feels forced or like it's, you know, trying to be something that it isn't. Um, True. It feels very genuine, was, very effortless. And I mean, it was actually, what was, your, what was your kind of initial takeaway? So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll talk about, so I'm the exact opposite story of you. Um, you know, I, I, I had never heard of them before other than through you. Um, and I don't remember exactly when you told me about them. I think, I think it was not long after the concert. You basically were like, Hey, I saw this band with wild nothing and they were really good. You should check them out. Um, and you were like, fuck you. I mean, that's what we do. (laughs) You tell me to listen to music and I say no. And then I tell you to listen to music and you say no. Yeah, sure. That's what we do. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why we have the podcast is forcing ourselves we're forcing ourselves i knew that there was only one way i could get you to listen to music and that was to have this podcast <laughs> um so no i think i think it was just one of those things like i do listen probably you know if you send me bands i'd say i listen to about 75 percent of them because like part of it's again we talk through text and you text me at like you know maybe 8 30 at night and i'm like okay cool you know i'll check it out and then i just don't get around to it Right. Or I get around to it later and it's like, I'm in the middle of work and I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. And then I move on to something else. So who knows? Um, but I definitely would say that the first time I listened to it, I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, it's not, I don't know that it's for me, but you know, maybe I'll pick it up again later. Right. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I guess, you know, for the podcast was later, this is when I really dove into it. And I did, I did quite, quite thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, I've read a little bit about them since too, to kind of get a feel for them. Um, and, and that's helped as well. One of the things that you just said reminded me of something I read actually, where you said, you know, it feels so effortless. And one of the quotes I heard from, from one of the guys from the band, uh, one of the lead guys, I forget his name. Julian. I might've been, I'm going to have to, I'd have to look. I'm sorry. Julian is the, um, the, the drummer and vocalist. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but they basically said, they basically said there, so we're going to get into the songs here in a minute, but my takeaway is that, and, and, and really this is kind of for both bands, but my takeaway for, for Whitney was really that they, they were very well produced and they, they have a very complex sound. They have a lot of instrumentation and a lot going on, but it does feel very effortless. And one of the, the, the quote that I, that I read was that, they really try that. Yes, they have a, a big sound because they have a lot of instrumentation, but really at the heart of it all is a, is a very, uh, not a simple song, but a, a song that if you stripped away the horns and you stripped away the the organ and you stripped right. away all the extra stuff, it would still be a very good song at its core. Right. And I really like that. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very amazing approach to songwriting when a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of big bands out there that, that write great music, but they also, you know, they're really going at it in terms of, you know, they want that big sound. And and I don't, I don't feel that way with them. Like, I really do feel like, like these songs are, are very well constructed and, and, and they're very, you know, 
there's, good at its core, and then there's a lot of good layers on top of it. Yeah, there's a and there's a there's a timelessness I think to it as well. Yeah, um, the, you know this. I mean, uh, some of this, some of the. I mean, a lot of this album yeah, sounds to me like I don't know something from like you know maybe the seventies or something. You know, yeah. Well, you kind of like folk, acoustic folk kind of. Uh, you know. You know the vibes I got, and and this is a little off. This this may be a little off base, but for for whatever reason, there's especially a couple songs um, that gave me a, like an Elvis Costello vibe for some reason. And I don't know if familiar with Elvis Costello, but Elvis Costello is one of those artists where like, you know, he's got a ton of songs, right. and if if you if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, I know the song, but you may not realize that it's Elvis Costello. You know, yeah. um, but. Uh, it just, I think the, the guitar parts and, um, and some of the, some of the arrangements, how they're kind of like, um, I don't want to say upbeat, but they're like, yeah, kind of upbeat and they have a big sound with a lot of, a lot of pieces. And then the, the guitar parts, there wasn't a lot of chords. There was just a lot of very good, you know, uh, guitar riffs with, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, well-played pieces that weren't just like, you know, strumming the C and G chord. I think there was just some, some components that went together to make me think of like Elvis Costello and like, yeah. you know, how, how some of his, how some of his songs were, were put together and, and similar there. And I also got a lot of, uh, I also got a lot of jam, jam band vibes, mm-hmm. like from some of their songs, not to say that they're a jam band, but like I just, every, every once in a while I got the feeling they were just kind of going off. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, if, I mean, look, you look at the album and it's like, I think it's just under a half hour. So it's a pretty short album. Song, exactly. Tracks are pretty, pretty concise um and um and yeah there's like um there's a complexity there but there's also simplicity you know yep like it doesn't yeah i mean kind of going along with like the it it just doesn't feel it still feels intimate Um, yes and the lyrics are you know simple um but they um they're done in a way where like it's telling a story but it's doing it in a in a in vague enough terms to where almost anybody can kind of relate to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of like also a little bit of the the power of of this album. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's. I mean, I know we talked about kind of uh, we wanted to mention like our favorite tracks from from each of the albums and stuff like that. And I was going to say, let's go through the tracks. Okay. But I mean, even before that, I was just going to say that like in terms of favorite tracks for both, actually for both of these albums, and we'll get into private world in a bit here. Um, but to me, it was, it was really hard to choose favorite tracks because <laughs> like yeah. both of the albums really yeah. start to finish are very enjoyable and have a flow to them. Yes. And, and really kind of feel like a, uh, you know, a complete, like a whole, you know what I mean? Like, uh, exactly. And they're, they're neither one of them are, you wouldn't say they're concept albums, but like they definitely, you know, just, you know, they kind of, it washes over you, you know, each of the albums yep. kind of washes over you as a complete there's, there's, experience. There's no drastic change of pace or anything like yeah. in the middle where you're like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all, they, they're very all, well thought out, well composed songs, and and even you know from top to bottom in the album, 
you know, the, 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 the songs go in a very well thought out order. Like it's, you know, everything's just put together in a, in a very nice package. And a neat little package. Neat little package. Um, so let's talk about No Woman. So I, I was going to say, so No Woman is the first track on the album. And um, just to, just to. That came out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So as Luke mentioned, uh, well, just now, but also a minute ago, um, you know, before they even released an album, they were having singles coming out. They were stirring a lot of buzz. And, and No Woman, if you've heard of Whitney, um, there's a good chance that this is the song that you've heard of if you haven't right. heard of any others. Um, and, and we'll find with Private World, very similar. You know, they, they spent a year, two years releasing singles uh, as well before they put out an album. Um, but I was going to say with No Woman, um, I, it's a great song. It really is. And uh, one of the reasons that, you know, I didn't immediately latch on you know, when you, when you told me to listen to them a while back, I know what you is, so, so no woman, no woman comes on and it's the keys start off and the keys. I love the keys. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's got a, it's, it's got a great, yeah, it's got a great tone. Um, it's got great effects on it. And the trumpets um, it, and then the trumpets come in and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is going to be good. <laughs> and then he starts singing and I'm not a yep. huge fan of his voice. Yeah. And that, you know, if, if we're going to, if you and I are going to, are going to ever argue about anything, it's that I'm not typically a big fan of people with very, very distinct voices. Whereas Luke, I think you tend to gravitate more toward people with very distinct voices. Right. Um, and so maybe that's it, but the song in and of itself, I think is amazing. And, and that is all that is to say, I did grow to enjoy his voice. Like there's some, yeah. some songs later on that I love that I love the way he sings them. It's just with this one, when it first hits, I'm like, Oh boy, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it, it was like, like that for me as well. You know, when I first okay. got to it, um, yeah. I think that was like the voice was kind of, it, it was an, definitely an acquired taste, but I and it didn't take me very long to, really would you say, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was, I was going to ask, would you say live, you know, when you saw them live, that it was a little bit different. It seems like, it seems like it's a little, I, um, on the album, it's you know obviously a little more vocal forward probably than they are live, and and maybe more effects um, that might change it up a little. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, all I can say about them live is that they're pretty amazing. Um, yeah. If if, uh, if you do like the album, I mean, check YouTube or wherever, listen to some live tracks. I really, I'm kind of surprised because they toured like crazy, like I mean, like crazy after this album came out. Uh, yeah. worldwide tours and um i'm really surprised that they have not released a live album because i would i would get that on vinyl in a heartbeat because yeah like us you know and we'll get you know we'll we'll make our way down to that track but there's a track on here that like when they do it live is you know the track's good on the album <laughs> but like live is just like i mean it blows the fucking roof off the place um but uh Tear your, I mean, tear your tits off, mom. <laughs> uh, we gotta, that shit will tear your tits off, mom. We're going to get real vulgar. Um, uh, as the episodes go on, I think we're going <laughs> to... Um, we're getting more comfortable, so the, the it's just going to get worse. But yeah, no, his voice was definitely... The vocals were definitely something that, you know, much like yeah. a, a ba- another band that we talked about in, the, uh, in a past episode or two, um, uh, Shearwater. It's kind of yeah. another a similar band with like a very distinctive 
style of, of, you know, vocals that, you know, you're not used to hearing. So kind of like, there's a little bit of like a, you know, an adjustment period there. Yeah. But one, if you like, if you like, if you give it a little time and if you, if you do end up coming around to it, you chances are you're going to love it. And that's, and that's the thing I think, um, you know, Shearwater was definitely one of them. And then also choir boy, we mentioned, um, those are two that, you know, you may, you may hear it at the outset and be like, Oh boy, that's for me. And, and you may hear it and be like, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, but I would say any of those absolutely anytime that there's somebody with a, with a, you know, a vocal, uh, you know, style that you're not sure of, it's always, it's always better to give it a chance than to just cut it off, you know? Um, because you may find that you enjoy it. And like I said, with, with Whitney, there was definitely uh, tracks on here that I, I really thought the vocals were amazing. You know, they were really good that I really enjoyed. I do feel so. like, I, I do feel like, you know, um, whether you like that particular sound or not, that like that falsetto, um, I think there's no denying um, the kind of emotion behind the vocals to me, you know? Um, and I think a a lot of these songs, like you really feel that you feel, you know, that, that raw emotion from, from from the singer. Um, absolutely. So, so, so no woman looked, I mean, what, so what about the falls? How do you feel about that song? Falls is kind of a big, an immediate, immediate change up. Uh, It is. It really, it really kind of takes a turn. A little more like, yeah, kind of like, I don't know. I like. I think I'm going to use this word a lot because I've used it in past episodes. Jaunty. It's a little jaunty. <laughs> you know what's hilarious is I as is in my notes here. My notes say, "Don't really like the jaunty little piano riff." Oh, you don't like it? Okay. I I, I, I it's not it's not that I think it's bad. It's just that it kind of. There it is. There it is. It's almost like I mean, the album, isn't it? <laughs> it's ex- that's exactly what it's like. Um. Uh, it's not that it's bad. It's just that again, you know, as we said with the Pink Floyd episode, we're talking about things that are subjective. It's not for me. You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's as with all of their songs, it's complex and well produced and well composed and well arranged and, and pulled off perfectly. It's just not for me. I I didn't, I actually didn't think you were going to like the album. Um, I had a feeling it was going to be a little too lo-fi for you. Um, I know in the past See, and that's a f- you've, you've, you've talked about how you don't particularly like that sound, like with Elliot Smith and, and things like that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with this one is that, um, is that it's, I mean, it's, it's so lo-fi is to me, like, you know, uh, I picture like three people in a, in a garage with like an eight track, recorder and just recording analog and putting it down once and mixing it. And that's it. Um, that doesn't, that's not how Whitney comes across with this at all. Like they, this, as I said earlier, like everything seems very well meticulously thought out and planned and, and well-produced. So, um, it is a little, like, it is a little simple in terms of like the sound, like it's just, I mean, there's a lot of layers, but you know, it's just still at the end of the day, a guitar and a bass and an mm-hmm. organ and a drum and, and some horns. And, but it's, it's, but those layers are really what make it. And I think, I really think that that's impressive what they do. Um, 
so really that that's what really got me going is is the the various you know the intricacy with which they they really put all that stuff together i mean um like I could honestly see like one of these guys, you know, being a composer at some point, you know, um, yeah. it's just, some of this stuff is just very well, like a lot of their songs are just very, have a lot going on and they're just very well put together. Yeah. And like we kind of mentioned though, it just, it never feels like too much. It never feels too busy. No, I mean, not like, at all. It, I mean, it, it, that's the kind of funny thing about it is like, yeah, when, when you really do break it down, there's, there's all of these layers, there's all of these things happening, Yeah, but it never feels like a big sound it still no. feels very intimate and not at all you're and, you're and never gonna parts. get you're never gonna get like a mumford's and sons feel or like you know something ridiculous where it's like come on you're just blowing up the stage for some reason like these like it's it's you know it still feels intimate and you know i haven't i haven't said this i don't think on the podcast yet but i was actually talking to my wife about it uh the other day um you know i've i've been playing guitar for almost 25 years now. Um, and I'm certainly not, uh, you know, a virtuoso by any means, but you know, I like to, I like to tinker around and play. And anytime I hear an album where the guitar parts are always, you know, well thought out and well played, and it's not just somebody like strumming or playing power chords or like, you know, hearing somebody like, you know, at times, you know, playing, you know, finger picking or, you know, playing some, some nice, uh, some nice melodies on the guitar and not just phoning it in with some chords. Right. Um, and that's all this album is. I mean, the guitar playing on here is, is oh, yeah. really, is really great. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. And there's a lot of great riffs. Yeah. Um, he's, and, I mean, he's and, great live too. Yeah. And, and so that, I mean, golden, golden days, um, that's the next song after the falls. Um, I, that might be my favorite song on the album. Yeah. And there's, there's some, um, there's some great horns in this track. Um, there's some slide guitar going on. So yeah, that's another thing that he busts out a lot of is some slide guitar. Um, so that's a, a, that, that track, this one, you know, is, is one of my top, you know, favorite songs on this album. So this is where, you know, because we were doing the podcast, this is where I was like, well, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. And I, it took until track three before I was really like, this is this is a great song, you right. know. No Woman's a fantastic song too, but I wasn't sure about it because of the vocals. But Golden Days is just is is just it it sucks me in, and it's yeah. I, I had that song in my head all day today. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to like like I said, it's really hard to like go down uh, you know the list of tracks here and talk about each song without really having without having them like playing you know. Right. Because in particular, particularly because this album to me is just like, I just, I look at it as just like, it's just this whole album. It's this whole experience. It's like, it's just all wrapped up in my mind, you know what I mean? Together as one whole. And so it's hard to kind of like, you know, pick through and and like each little song and, and remember little things about it. Because to me, this album is more of like, just like, an overall experience, I guess. It's a, it's a dark side of the moon for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and while all the, each of these songs kind of works well enough, like just as a single listening to it on its own, um, they do, you know, I mean, overall as a whole, I think just kind of like. They work very yeah. well. Yeah. So, so um, that- Dave's song, 
that's another one that I yeah. love. Dave's song is um is definitely on my my top tracks from this album. Yeah, it's um, really good. There's a lot of great uh, guitar in this one. Yes, and it's got a and it's got a great uh, horn breakdown. Yep. Um. Yeah, just a lot. Again, this might be, I, I don't know. I mean, again, we've got No Woman, which was really popular. We've got a couple more tracks, at, you know, toward the end here that, you know, that are probably ones that are, are pretty solid to write home about. But Dave's song in and of itself, to me, makes the album. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's one of the most well put together songs on the whole thing. Yeah. It's a lot of, I, this is one that like every time it comes on, I'm like, this is the one. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, light upon the lake is one that uh, they rarely ever play live. You know, it's a quieter, really? slower song. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it has. I think it certainly has its place on the album. I mean, I, there's not a single track on here that I, you know, feel the need to skip at any point. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, it's 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 a good song. So for anybody anybody listening who's you know, after all of our exposition here, uh, still curious as to what still doesn't know Whitney, what the hell we're talking, <laughs> right? Still not sure what Whitney sounds like. I would say, close your eyes and picture this: Bill Murray dressed up in a sailor suit, riding a bike through 1970s Brooklyn. <laughs> that is oddly specific. But I and the name of picture. and the name of this Wes Anderson movie <laughs> is Light Upon the Lake. <laughs> I mean, this to me, Light Upon the Lake, it feels like it's it just feels like a song from a Wes Anderson movie, yeah. like exactly, yeah, almost never like like it, it was written for one. Yeah, I never thought about that, but I can I can see it now for sure. And I got I got some Fleet Foxes vibes too from it. Yeah. Yeah, Fleet, that's another band actually that we haven't. I don't think we've talked about yet, but is not too much one that we're going to have to probably do an artist yeah. light on. Yeah. Um. Anything else to say about Light Upon the Lake? No, it just it just has. I, I really like this one too. It's just like you said. It's a. It's a. It's. I even have written in my notes. It's a. It's a huge change up from Dave's song. Right. Um. Which but it's it, it's it's very pleasant. It's a great. It's a great little track. It's just a lot a lot different. Um, so yeah, next we're halfway through the album now. And then uh, side two of the vinyl would be, would start with no matter where we go, Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, boom, another big change up. Um, yes. Very upbeat poppy, but, uh, but yeah, still, but actually one of my favorite tracks on the album too, because just has a great energy and, and vibe to it. And this is one where I actually said this one to me is a, is a, has got a jam band kind of feel to it. Like this one just feels like they're the, the seven piece, you know, band is in full effect on this song. You can feel it, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's uh yeah, it's one of the, I, I can't, I don't know if, I think this might've been one of the other singles that was one of the, of the first two singles that was released along with no woman. Um, mm. And yeah, it has just, just a great breezy kind of uh, upbeat poppy vibe to it. Um, yeah. But, you know, still in keeping with the rest of the album for sure. Absolutely. So, oh. And then we start hitting, we start hitting the rest of the B side um, with uh, on my own, mm-hmm. which this one was definitely on the low end for me. Okay. Yeah. Not, not 
that's not one of my favorites either. I mean, like I said, there, there's not a single track I would say like, you know, right. I would crap on. Um, and I think, I think every, every song has their, has a strong point. You know what I mean? Um, do not take a crap on the podcast. <laughs> um, and again, it's like, to me, it, it's really hard to be like, okay, that song is what, what is that song? Um, right. I just have like the whole album in my mind, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I know there were things about the song that I did enjoy um, as there are every single track on here, but I, I don't specifically recall it. I think there's some good, there might be a little, a nice little horn section or something. I yeah. Um, but red moon is one is another one of my favorite tracks on this album. Yeah. And a really great, just in, short instrumental piece. Um, I do love a good instrumental. Very jazzy. Um, it is jazzy. And, and, as good as this track is, it's under two minutes on the on the album. As good as it is on the album, it is phenomenal live. Like I cannot stress where they take this track to live. Um, it's it. I think it's it. I think for as long as they're a band, <laughs> like this is a, a track they're always going to play live, and it's always going to be different. And it's just it, it's the amount of energy uh i mean i highly suggest like if you if you check out the album and you like it go to youtube find as many good quality uh videos of red moon live and you will not be disappointed i mean there's some that like there's some that like they hit this crescendo at at a certain point in the track and it just like man it like it's like it's like lighting a fire under your ass, you know, like it just really, I mean, <laughs> really like just gives you this like rush of, of just this, it's like a high, you know, like, I don't know. I'm probably overselling it, but like, it's, I mean, to me, it's fantastic. I mean, I love it. You sent me the live, the live version of them playing this uh, on YouTube and it, it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, just like they I mean, really kind of, uh, they take, the album and then they kind of go off a little bit and yeah kind of change it up a little bit and but just the energy that they bring to it live is amazing and i could definitely see why if your first experience with them was this live right. how that would really stick yeah. with you too yeah exactly um anything to say about red moon other than everything that i just talked about no i think you gushed over enough i know i did i really did <laughs> it was the one that i was really gonna i, I knew i was gonna talk a lot about um, but, uh, all right, Polly. So we're we got, coming up in the last two tracks on the album. Yeah. What did you think about Polly? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't even have any notes for Polly. <laughs> this is, this, one, <laughs> I don't know if, it, if this one was just forgettable for me or what, but it just, it's not on the, uh, it's not on my top. Yeah. Four or five either. Um, but again, I think it has its place on the album and absolutely. Um, but follow, I don't know if you want to talk about follow before I do. Follow is a great track. So for the being the last song on the album, like it hits and you're like, it pulls you back in and you're like listening again and you're like, and then it hits with a big outro with like horns and all kinds of stuff. And it's, you know, it's another, it kind of brings you back to the middle of the first side and you're like, this is great. And then the album's over. You're like, oh shit. It's kind of like this, uh, 
it's this warm kind of folksy anthem. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's a great closer. A lot of, I, I mean, to me, there's a lot of like emotion to that track. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 that's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. It's got some good lyrics too up there with like Dave's song, I would say. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's uh light upon the lake by Whitney. It's a, it's a, it's a solid album. I, I, I'm glad that you, I'm glad you finally find <laughs> <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. Never I'm, I'm glad I finally listened to it too. There's yeah. definitely some songs I will go back to. So for sure. You know, did you want to do a top? And we did kind of discuss it as we went along, but did you have a list of top three, four, five tracks? My, I mean, my favorite two tracks, Golden Days and Dave's Song, are my favorite two. And then I'd say the next two are probably No Woman and Follow. Okay. Nice. How um, about you? I've got, yeah, I mean, in no, yeah, no particular order, but like uh, Dave's Song, Red Moon, Follow, and no matter where we go, probably my favorite tracks. Nice. Yeah. So, Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not disagreeing. Um, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, check out, check out Whitney. If, if yeah. uh, you think it sounds like, you know, everything we talked about sounds like something you want to dig. You want to dig. Sounds like <laughs> you, uh, you, you feel you want to dig. Get out. Um, Podcast just, is over. <laughs> dig this album um, i'm now i'm now accepting applications for a, a co-host on my podcast about music well, it's a good run can't can't say dig <laughs> uh i was gonna say so so whitney so light upon the lake is great so whitney's newest album are you familiar with this uh, from 2020 2020 did it come out in 2020 there was a there was an album in 2020 that released a cover cover album. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right, yeah. So I and, I, I and considering that an actual album of theirs because it's a co- it's cover songs. I and so that was what I wanted to talk about. I don't know what the deal is, but I swear to God, there were so many artists that released cover albums last year, and I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, like right. it was just easier to kind of like put put it together real quick and kind of who else did that put something together i just i'm all kinds of and i i don't want to call them indie artists but a lot of a lot of indie artists (laughs) a lot of artists you know that that you know kind of fall into that realm had put together albums or or just singles you know of of cover songs yeah um which is fine there's like tracks on that and there are and 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 i even mentioned in one of the first episodes that I I love a new arrangement of um yeah. of a of a of a cover song and and I see no problem with that it's something I really enjoy and so what I wanted to mention was one of the songs on this album was Strange Overtones That's a great song that is such a fucking good song mm-hmm. and it's a it's a David Byrne of the Talking Heads and Brian Eno were the ones that originally recorded that album or that song I think mm-hmm. I don't know it might be like 2014 now, 2013. I can't remember. It's it's a few years old now. Oh, that's um, that. So the song is is more recent than the original. Yeah, it's not super old. Um, Strange overtones. I'm gonna have to look it up now. It's it's a it's such a good it's such a good uh, 2008. Wow, I, it's, it's I sent you that song. You might have I sent you that track right when the album came out. 
I sent it to you and you're probably like, yeah, fucking Luke again. I probably, yeah. I just ignore half of what you say. <laughs> um, but I love that song. So, so that's, that's from, um, that's from an album that, uh, that was released by David Byrne and Brian Eno, um, back in 2008, man, I can't remember the name of that album. Um, but it, uh, it, it, it's like the only song on that album that I love. And I, I love the talking heads. I love David Byrne, um, you know, and, and Brian Eno. So, so Brian Eno is a huge, 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 huge influence. Like he's for every, for every artist that points to the Beatles, you know, and says, you know, we're, we, we've been inspired by the Beatles over the years. You know, I would say more recently over the last de- two decades, more and more people are now pointing to Brian Eno. Hmm. Like Brian Eno is like becoming the godfather of, um, especially like synth music and ambient music and, um, you know, and to some extent pop and rock. Um, but he has had hands in all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, he's been around for, for, for nigh on five decades now. Um, and so it's funny that, that Whitney recorded this song and we, we just kind of both picked bands, you know, but it's funny that Whitney recorded this song that was, you know, David Byrne and Brian Eno, and um the next band that we're going to talk about private world um they are straight retro 1980s like pop synthy vibes and brian eno is absolutely like one of their biggest influences like you hear it like straight throughout their music um so I found that really interesting that we're getting a Brian Eno track from from your band, and then, uh, you know, we're 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 going to go into a band that's heavily influenced by by people like Brian Eno. Um, I mean, some of their other so Private World is is the next group we're going to talk about. Some of their other influences, um, which are you know a a band that I love, Talk Talk. Um, right. They have they have some some albums that I absolutely just am head over heels for. Um, uh, and then a band that, you know, another band that they've mentioned is a, is an influencer, another, another band that you might hear, uh, influence in their works, um, is Spandau Ballet, which is one that you and I oh. <laughs> have gotten down to together before. Um, sound good. <laughs> <laughs> we can't hide it. What are you going to do? But those are the influences of, of private worlds. Uh, and, and so if that sets you up for, for kind of how they sound, um, and so I, I, you were you were telling me that you would you would not heard them and that you were you were pissed at me for not having shared them. Is that like, is that true? It's true. <laughs> like, what, and I started listening to it after you was like after you were like, okay, this is going to be the album I want to do for the next episode. And so I, you know, turned it on, and you know, I, I mean, I think it, at the beginning, like the first track is like an instrumental track, and um, it just has that very kind of like. Yeah, 80s kind of, you know, synthy kind of vibe to it. And I I think it kind of sets you up for something uh for for, for something specific, but it in, in as you listen to the album, um it it really brings something new to the table. I don't Yeah. I'm not like a it's not like you're kind of 
contrived gimmicky kind of 80s synth no you know what i mean Um, no so yeah i was pleasantly surprised with it and and as i was going through the album i was like i don't remember you telling me about this band why did you not tell me about this band? (laughs) Um, so as i mentioned um they were one that over the course of you know 2019 or so they they had a lot of singles that were coming out that you could you could listen to but they they hadn't released a full album and i actually heard them heard about them from my friend uh from a friend of mine uh, chad uh, so chad if you're listening hello thank you um <laughs> uh and and so he sent me a couple of their singles and i was like yeah this is pretty cool i dig this um oh you dig it now see you're saying dig dang it you said dig um but i i really liked it and uh and but i think the funny thing is as you said, it, it sets you up. The the so the first track on the album is a private world, and it's pretty short. It's like a minute and a half, two minutes, and it sets you up, like you said, for for something else. Like it sets you up for 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 a different sort of album than you get. And I think one of the things that's remarkable about this album, and one of the things that the album as a whole hits harder than um, the singles do, is that really kind of going back to almost our last two episodes where we talked about Pink Floyd, the album is as a whole, a little bit of a concept album in that it's very cohesive. Um, but the fact that the songs themselves are very progressive. So, you know, the typical pop album is, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, break, chorus, you know, A, B, A, B, C, B, you know, um, this album on its face, you hear it, you know, when you hit to, you get to the second track, blue spirit and it's, you know, it feels like an eighties pop song, but as you listen to it and, and I've gone back and listened to it a number of times now, you realize it's not verse, chorus, verse, chorus, break chorus. It's like, a b c d e it's like verse chorus break uh another break yeah instrumental new new uh verse (laughs) it's just it's kind of you know very progressive in that way um and there's there's different time signatures there's different uh there's different arrangements um so it's really interesting to hear what they do because it feels like an 80s pop album but it's not it's 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 a step above that almost, you know, it's really interesting. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it it feels more, it's more inspired by that 80s sound, but less about direct mimicry, you know? Exactly. Um, And, you know, kind of has, it has this dreamy kind of 80s synth pop vibe, but it doesn't necessarily, it, 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 it accomplishes that, that feeling without resorting to the stereotypical kind of bag of tricks. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, Yep. And I think that's what's like so great about it is that it feels very much eighties inspired, but it's also very fresh and original and unique. Um, Yes. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, It's, it's really good. So one of the, one of the things I've, I've read about them as well and, you know, feel free to, to say if you, if you have a feeling on this one way or the other for each song, but, um, I've seen where they've stated that their songs, 
you know, they, every, each of their songs has a color. Yeah, you know they're they're like into synesthesia where it's like you know our our this song evokes this color you know it should it should pull this to your mind and so you know if you feel like I, I couldn't pull out any colors you know I'm just like this song is great <laughs> but if you feel like you find some then that's fantastic right yeah um I think it uh, it definitely uh, it definitely kind of creates its um its own kind of like sonic landscape in it. Yeah. Um, it, there's just something about, uh, I don't know. And, and it, every song is a little bit offers a little, little something different. Mm-hmm. Um, it never feels like it's just like um, running one thing into the ground, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, did you, so the first, Oh yeah. Did you want to go through kind of, Go through, yeah, the like we did with the. I was gonna say the first two, yeah, we'll run through the tracks, and and the first two <clears throat> is a are a private world and blue spirit, and and I'm I'm kind of talking about them together because it's very much again going back to last week, it's kind of like speak to me, breathe, you know, it's like a private world runs right into blue spirit, and a private world is only maybe a minute and a half, two minutes long, and it's kind of just a, a musical introduction to the album that then leads into the first real song, um. And Blue Spirit, again, like Luke said, it hits with those, it hits you with those 80s vibes and you're really feeling, it. I mean, to the point where it's like one of the background melodies feels like it's on the old um, Casio VL Tone uh, little white keyboard. If you, I mean, if you don't know what this is, look up VL Tone uh, keyboard and, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but it sounds like the, the melody was written right on there at, at a certain part. And, um, but the song itself, the composition of it, is constantly changing and it's, it's, um, it's, it's got a lot to offer. And then there's a great interlude in there too, between the verse and the chorus where there's just some great instrumental stuff that happens. Um, so that's really the first two tracks. What did you think about those? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the first track is just kind of like setting up the album and, yeah, you know, there's not, it, it's, you know, there's not a whole lot to it, but it's, it's, it's certainly, I wouldn't say it's a throwaway. Um, yeah, it, it does a good job of kind of like leading you into the album. And like, like we both mentioned, um, I think it does kind of like in a way f- falsely set you up for what the album is actually going to be. Right. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. so, and I don't know if that, that was something that they did intentionally. I, I, but I feel like, you know, I, that's how I feel about it. And it seems like you're, you kind of feel the same way. Um, where it does kind of like set you up with certain expectations of, oh, okay, this is going to be an 80s synth album, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, as you listen to the rest of the album, it, it goes, it, it proves that it's not just like you're kind of like, you know, just another 80s synth album where somebody's just kind of like right. phoning it in and, and, you know, kind of hitting all those right nostalgic notes to yeah to kind of draw people in i think it, yep. it has so much more to say and it is much more complex and and unique yeah um, but yeah blue spirit is a, I, that's a great song um it is and i, I mean it, again like i kind of said with light upon the lake i feel like this is another album that certain tracks f- certainly stand out but I think it works as an overall kind of experience for absolutely 
it's it's a it's a it's a complete album for sure yeah without being like you know really a complex or a um a concept album right um so then after blue spirit is birdie mm -hmm. um and this one is one, this one is one that I, I really enjoyed initially. So this is one of the other, you know, outside of the, the couple of singles that I listened to, this is one of the first songs that I really got into. Um, my problem with this song is that there's a melody in there that's kind of mimicking like a bird singing. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, that. yeah, it's like, um, it's just the, it's just the little, the little, uh, keyboard synth part that kind of plays over the song. But anyway, for whatever reason, it's, it slowly has evolved to a point where like it drives me crazy and I don't know what it is. Like I love, I love the song as a whole, but for whatever reason, that little melody repeated is, is, is a little much for me. Hmm. Maybe I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a great, it, it's a, it's another good song. Um, and it's got a good, it's got a good, uh, they got a lot of, again, because they're so progressive, um, they're far more again than just an A, B, A, A, B, C, D, you know, pop song yeah. sort of vibe. Um, you can always, you know, you might get into a song and be like, I don't really like this. And then it takes a turn and you're like, oh, okay, now it's hitting. And then it'll kind of keep that up. So that's one of the great things about these albums uh, with them is that they're, they're constant. The songs are constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, and so then after birdie uh, is their maybe their most well-known song. Um, it's, it's the one that I first heard uh, and that's hypnagogia. Yeah. I would, I say, I'm, I'm saying that right. Right. That's how I would pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> So that was the one that my, my friend uh, Chad sent me um, and was like, you got to hear this song. And, uh, the, and it's, name, it's great. The name of that more than the actual song make, it makes me feel like you probably sent that to me as well. So maybe I may have track um, just because that's a very odd track name. And I just, it looks familiar to me. Like when I saw that, I was like, that looks familiar. So maybe you did send me, Maybe you didn't send me that that single or something when it came out, but 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 I I I love the way this track starts out. It's just like it's just like easing into a warm bath. I mean, it's like it starts out nice and slow and just oh, and then it hits his voice in it. You know, we haven't really talked about the singing. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, for me, the singing is like across somewhere between like David Bowie and yeah. Robert Smith to the cure. Like, you know, he hits those lows like Bowie does sometimes, but then he has also got some of that, um, yeah. some of that, uh, other vibe from Robert Smith. I definitely, you know, did, did think about, um, he definitely reminded me of Bowie and some of them, not like, a, you know, he wasn't aping it or anything like that for exactly, for, but it, you know, kind of calls it, calls him to mind for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hypnagogy is a great track. And I, it just like, you know, talking about these, it just makes me want to listen to it. Like right now, I wish I could like, <laughs> I, I want to hear a little sample right now and then be like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, this and is it, where, oh, sorry. What you I was just going to say, and Hypnagogy has got a sax. So, you know, as this, as this podcast goes on, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, gunship a few weeks ago and how they had the sax player from the Lost Boys. Um, you know, if you get a good song, with some sax in it, you know, I might just, I might just, uh, I might just, uh, have to talk about it on the podcast. So any aspiring artists out there that are, 
listening to our podcast. Put some sax in yourself. If you want to lube yourself up <laughs> and strip your shirt off and yeah, blow some sax. <laughs> uh, some hot sax. Yeah, no, we we are both big fans of uh, of the sax. Um, but yeah, no, this is like Hypnagogia is kind of where to me the album kind of kicks in. Um, oh yeah, and really the next the next uh, you know four tracks uh, or the next three tracks after Hypnagogia. That's kind of to me that's the meat of the album. Oh yeah, my favorite stuff is is, is there. Um, good stuff so yeah magic after hypnagogy is magic lens which is one of my favorite tracks on this album yeah Uh, just has a really dreamy uh ethereal kind of feel to it but it has this like great like uh bass bass line and like yeah and and drum like drum beat to it uh it's just like it's it's got it's just yeah it's got it's got some meat on its bones it's it's good it's good track it's and it's it's got some fantasy. I mean, it's called magic lens. It's obviously got some fantasy vibes. Um, I think it might be the most progressive of their songs because it just keeps evolving. Like it just, like it's, it's constantly changing. And isn't it like halfway through the track that it just kind of like, I think the vocals, it's like the last, and I don't think, I think the vocals kind of end somewhere around. And then it's like, it just kind of goes into this, like gets into this groove. Yeah. Kind of jammy groove. Like, uh, that like, man, if you've got, if you've, you're drinking a Sazerac or two, <laughs> you a Sazerac or two and, and you get a track, man, you can just fucking write it out. Like I could, I could put like the last half of this track on repeat and just like be content with that for like hours. I don't know what it is. Like just four, four or five Sazeracs deep. And you're just, <laughs> you're hugging the toilet, listening to listening to fucking, uh, uh, private world. Yeah. And it hits some, it hits some really interesting time signatures and stuff too, where it's like, again, you know, I'm going to keep saying progressive, but it hits, you know, you don't, I think I'm just so taken aback by the fact that it's like, you know, it's almost like if you were to mash up Spandau Ballet and Tool, (laughs) like you'd be somewhere right in the right realm. And that's just not something that you would ever think to do, but these guys do it and it works like, and it's not overt. It's not like, you're not like, Oh, you know, they're just taking a 20 minute jam session on these weird synth songs. It's like, it's like the, the song has evolved before you even know that it's evolved. And you're like, Oh, where are they going with this? And And you're like, I was expecting like a pop song and it's not, it's still going into something different. And it's really cool. Yeah, and I think for like a uh, for kind of like an '80s kind of synthy kind of band, I guess that's what they would call themselves. I don't know what they would call themselves, but like, um, yeah. there's a lot, especially like in the middle portion of the album. There's a lot of a lot of great like bass and and drum, yeah. very percussion heavy. Um, yeah, I love some of the bass lines in in some of these like middle tracks, like Magic Lens and. Something like the next one, if you want to move on to that, something special is in. I was going to say, I was just going to say real quick, but while we're talking about uh, all putting it all together, the band is just for all intents and purposes, a guitar player, singer, and a drummer. Mm. So there's only two guys who really make up the band. They have a larger touring band, obviously, but um, they also, they write and they produce and they mix all their own stuff. So this is, this is them. Like this is not, 
this is not, you're not getting layers of other people on top of this. So that's another really impressive feat is they're really putting all this stuff together too. And I love, I, you know, I love self-produced albums, um, especially when they turn out as good as this. So, but yeah, something special might be, you know, it's hard to choose between hypnagogia, magic lens and something special, but something special is it's something special. Yeah. It, uh, man, it's, it's, I mean, talk about like, and my notes I got here, like just funk, you know, just like, yeah. oh, it's good, real funky, real upbeat, it, real just like, I mean, it just makes you, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dance track, you know what I mean? Like, the the closest analogs I have for it are like I, I'm, I was thinking like, I want to dance with somebody again by Whitney, <laughs> Houston, um, <laughs> or or let's hear it for the boy. Like I mean, some classic like late '80s, early '90s God. tracks, and it's just got that. It's got that poppy guitar and some funky bass lines, and it's oh, like it's good. But then it, again, but then it kicks in, and it's something different. It's not that you know what I mean. Yeah, and so that's what's amazing about the track is it. It's uh, like you said, it's upbeat, it's dancey, but it's not. And it's also progressive and it kind of, it goes from one place to another that you're not quite expecting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got some great, some great sound to it. Great stuff. I love that one. Um, yeah. It's, that, that, that one, man, that one, I, I really go back to that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Um, after that, we've got chasm, which uh, that's another one on my, on my list of favorites. Um, kind of the end of like really between like starting with hypnagogia all the way through chasm is Mm -hmm. like, those are like my favorite tracks. Um, yeah, for the most part, just, and, and chasm kind of like, again, uh, changes it up again, you know, with, uh, it's kind of got, um, I don't know. There's like a, well, there's like a a subtle use of harmonica in this one. Um, yeah, I really like that kind of comes out of nowhere. You're not really expecting that. You're not expecting harmonica on, <laughs> on the, even exactly. up, even up until that point, even six tracks you know, in. Yeah, song number seven happens. is where suddenly they're hitting us with harmonica, but it still works. It like works with hey, yeah. the rest of the the tracks and as an album, you know, as a whole album, it still kind of you know plays together nice. But yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, any? Did you have anything else to say about Chasm? No, I think you pretty much covered. I, I really just, you know, it's got a good breakdown. It's got a good, you know, what you would call the chorus, I guess. I, I guess this one's a little more, it's got a little bit more of a natural structure than for a, for a song like this, but um, both those pieces I really like. Um, it's it's a little slow to start, but yeah, it, it hits some good stuff. Uh, and, and then you got the harmonica, yeah. which is just another one of those things, like you said, it throws you for a loop, but it works. Yeah, and it's not like overdone either. It's not like... no. It's, like you know like, where it just like really lays it out yeah like, it's like it's kind of like subtle a little bit in the background um but it's there it makes it, you know it makes its impression but it doesn't kind of like go over over the top neil young's not kicking down the door and yeah, right. like blasting on his harmonica <laughs> in the middle of the thing or anything <clears throat> um so yeah that so spine uh i don't really have a whole lot of notes on spine it's it's Not spine's a good one album yeah it's it's good i like spine um it's got some it's got some good ambient sounds uh it's got a good again there's a lot of uh, nice horn breakdown in the middle um, it starts out a lot more slowly than some of the other ones. I think it's, it's not got quite the hook uh, at the beginning, which uh, might, might do it some injustice maybe for, 
for, you know, repeat listening and, right. and really wanting to go back to it, but it's, it's, it's good. It's not my least favorite track on the, on the album for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really have a whole lot of notes on that one. Um, I did. I do really like alien funeral. Um, which is funny because I don't like alien funeral all really? that much. Okay. It's, it's good, but it's not my favorite track. I think the reason I like, uh, alien funeral is it, uh, yeah, it, uh, it there's like a it kind of it, again kind of throws another curveball and kind of has yeah. this almost like country folk kind of like <laughs> section of it like it, in the middle yeah. where it's almost like a banjo or like a it's very like um I don't know it's it's very acoustic country folk uh but I like it you know I think it works in the con- it still works in the context of the album and and it, it's a different sound it's just yet yet another yeah. different sound uh, that they kind of added and, but still feels like, you know, cohesive. It's, uh, it's definitely one of their more progressive songs. Progressive, 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 progressive. <laughs> We're selling insurance now. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely one that really changes a lot throughout the course of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's got it, it almost to its detriment, I feel like. And maybe that's why I don't like it so much because it changes so much. Um, it's great. I love Alien Funeral as a title. It's a great title. Um, and, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly not a bad song by any means, but it's maybe not my favorite yeah. for sure. And then, and then the, la- yeah. and the last one is uh, Jones to Engel. Yeah, uh, this one I don't really have a, a whole lot of notes on either. I do like there's a little like piano medley. Yeah. Or a little tink- tickling of the ivories there at the end of the track that I do kind of like because it's yet another yep. different kind of sound that you haven't heard. Even So even up to the very end of the album, they're still implementing unique sounds. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I really like that piano in there as well. Um, and it's I don't think it's a very long track either. It's its fairly short from yeah. what I remember. Um, but it's its good. It kind of ends the album it's on a, a nice record. note. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's a it's all in all. It's a it's a well, it's it's about three minutes. It's just okay. as long as Alien Funeral, I guess. Um but it's it's a good song. It's it's a little more toned down than maybe some of their others. Yeah, a little more stripped down. Um, one of the things that's funny about uh, about these two bands is that they're really, in my mind, they're both very. Uh, I don't want to say complex, but they're they're both very well produced, and they both have a ton of layers. You know, these are not, these are not bands that have just like a guitar and a, and a singer and a drummer and that's it. Um, they're really fronted. Well, most, both of them are really fronted by two people, but they really have a lot going on, um, as, as far as the composition goes. And it's, it's really enjoyable to listen to And they're but they're both very different, you know? Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Um, that's interesting that they are, they are, uh, fronted by, you know, two main, two main guys there. Um, I'm not sure the names of the private private world uh, duo there, but um, yeah, Julian Ehrlich and uh, Max Kikasek of of uh, Whitney definitely they they write all the songs together, and um, 
I mean, but yeah, they've got a more extensive band. Whereas like, yeah, with private world, you've got the two guys that are writing all the yeah. stuff and they're also performing all the stuff, at least for the studio yeah. albums, obviously live, they've got a, a bigger band, but they do. Yeah. It's uh, and it's, it's Tom Sanders is the singer guitar player and um, Harry Jowett is okay. the drummer. Right. But yeah, they, they they do have a bigger um, live band. But yeah, for the most part, as far as the album goes, it's just the two of them putting everything down, as far as I understand it. So, what were your favorite? Uh, I mean, we kind of discussed it as we went through. But what, yeah, what were your top like? Do you, have, do you have like top three, top two tracks on this album that you really like? Uh, my top three, my top three are easily "Hypnagogia," "Magic Lens," and something special right there in the middle. Same I mean. Me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to say whether something special or hypnagogy is my favorite, but yeah, I mean those three on any given day, one or the other could be could be up there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Those are my top three as well. I like, like I mentioned, I, I like Chasms and and Alien Funeral as well. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, to me, I think something special might be my absolute favorite. But Magic Lens is pretty fucking great too. Yeah, just and they're very different. Those three tracks are very different. Yeah. Yeah. All three of them, and they're all, but they're all very good. Um, the other thing I was going to mention about them is, um, as I said, they they released a lot of singles um, prior to releasing this album, and one of the one of the singles, and some of them are not on the album. So, Hypnagogia was a single they released prior to that is on the album. Um, I think Chasm as well might have been, uh, but one of the ones that isn't on the album is called On the Run. Okay. That's another great track. So if you're if you're if you've listened to the album and you and you're looking for other stuff, "On the Run" is a very good song to check out. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to do that. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's kind of it. Um, pretty much. And uh, I mean, I, I yeah, obviously, highly recommended albums, both of them. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what we want to do next week. Uh, Let's do it. But uh, we're going to, you know, kind of keep, keep the, um, keep things going with, you know, just what we, how we've been approaching it so far and just keep kind of changing it up. So next week we're going to do that once again, and uh, we're going to highlight a, a soundtrack um and a score mm. and it's going to be for one of uh, uh i mean one of my absolute favorites and I, I obviously that's why we're that's why we're going to dedicate a whole episode to it um yeah we originally were going to do each we were going to do similar to what we did this episode each pick a score and kind of talk about it talk about it why we yeah. like it the, the ins and the outs and and we found that uh we the score that we each wanted to pick was yeah. the same yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was like, ah, I think I, I need to run this by you here. And I was like, What was the album you were thinking of? And you were like, Batman, nineteen <laughs> Batman by uh, Danny Elfman and and so, original songs by Prince. And yeah, uh, and I was like, Yep, that was kind of what I was leaning toward too. So we might as well just do a whole uh, whole spotlight on on that on that soundtrack and score. There's a lot to talk about. There. To talk about. I mean, and we'll, we're going to talk about the movie as well. Obviously yeah. we talk about the songs without really talking about the movie. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That's one. Uh, yeah. We won't get into it now. We'll get into it next week. In, yeah. 
in disgusting depth. Um, but, <laughs> there's there are there's some if you if you're if you're on the fence about whether you're going to listen or not, there are some interesting facts about how that whole thing between Danny Elfman and Prince and and all that how how that evolved. So it's I'm, interesting. I'm interested in finding out because I'm going to have to do a do some reading on that um, yeah. to prepare for next week. But that's going to be next week. We're going to do a deep dive into that. And uh, yeah, until then, uh, I don't know. Stay safe. Keep sipping. Keep spinning. Keep sipping. Keep spinning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Please join us again next week. And uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sip and Spin with Luke and Andy. Cheers. Cheers.